Okay, so funny thing. This is Fletcher, by the way. Maybe, hopefully, you could tell that. You can probably hear I sound a little weird. Yeah, that's because I'm recording this as a voice memo into my phone while I'm under a blanket in my closet at home. See, pretty much right after Kathy and Ross and I recorded the episode you're about to hear, I started feeling sick. So since I work at a radio station and also out of an abundance of caution, they sent me straight home and won't let me come back this week. And like a dummy, I don't have a portable recorder at home, even though I'm a radio producer, so I have to talk into my phone. Really, I'm okay, but given what's going on in the world right now, I don't blame them for being so touchy about me going back just yet. It's pretty interesting, too, given what we're about to talk about in this episode. And no, this is not some tasteless joke. I really am at home in my closet because I'm sick, although I'm not actually required to be under a blanket in my closet. That's just so I can get slightly better sound quality right now. The episode itself should sound totally normal, although you'll notice some of our usual flourishes are missing, and also you'll notice that we say something that is now totally wrong, but news moves pretty quickly, and I do try to acknowledge that as of the moment we were recording, what we said was accurate. Uh, Okay, I think that's it, so here's the show. If this is your first time listening, I'm about to talk to our language experts, Kathy and Ross Petrus, who wrote the book, You're Saying It Wrong. Oh, and I did mean to say... So now I will. Kathy and Ross have a new book that just came out earlier this week. It's called Awkward Moments, a lively guide to the 100 terms smart people should know. That's awkward spelled A-W-K-W-O-R-D. So go grab a copy of that now, especially if you also have to stay home for a while. Okay, now I think that's it. Let's do this. Okay, we're getting super topical today. We're talking about words that we hear in the news a lot and words that are thrown around all over the place, some of which we may have some idea what they mean and some of which have been tossed around so much that they've almost ceased to have any meaning whatsoever. We'll start with uh, probably the most obvious one right now, which is the word pandemic. Obviously, we've got uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus going around all over the place. Kathy, you in Seattle right now uh, probably have it most on your mind of the three of us, although certainly we're all very conscious of what's going on. How are, how are you dealing with, uh, with things there in Washington before we get to that word pandemic? I'm fine. I mean, it's funny. I was saying to Ross um, before we started doing the podcast, um, everybody keeps talking it's a ghost town. Like, we were shopping yesterday and everybody's still out and about. I mean, the, I mean, the, you do have, I mean, the Girl Scouts are even still selling cookies. So, you know, that tells you something. That said, though, everybody has hand wipes, like every store. And I mean, uh, my allergies are starting to kick in. And when I walk down the street and I start coughing, I'm panicking because I, I feel eyes upon me. You know, it's like, uh oh, <laughs> Typhoid Mary walking down the street. But, but it's just allergy, everybody. I swear. <laughs> well, so speak, we're going with pandemic. I, I remember maybe last week, maybe the week before, there was a health official on NPR talking about how COVID-19 ha- was an epidemic and not yet a pandemic. Talk about what the difference is and, and where that switchover is and, and what we need to understand when we think of the word pandemic. Okay, first of all, there's a slight element or not a slight, a fairly large element of subjectivity and is this a pandemic or is this not a pandemic? Uh, the original, I mean, pandemic means basically comes from the Greek and it means all, pan, and demos, people. So in other words, it's a worldwide uh, outbreak of disease affecting a lot of people. Epidemic, which also comes from the ancient Greek, means epi upon demos, people, and it means prevalent. It's a smaller d- disease outbreak. So the question we're going into is, is the, is the uh, COVID-19 
a big disease outbreak in terms of worldwide or a little degree disease outbreak in terms of worldwide? Well, does an epidemic usually mean more a population in a specific area as opposed to like, you know, continent to continent? I, 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 that's what I've always assumed, I should say. I agree with you, but we definitely have uh, this current COVID-19, which is basically, I think, on virtually every continent except um, Antarctica. Which would make it a pandemic. So that would make it a pandemic, to but me. they're not yet calling it a pandemic, probably because they're afraid the, pa the word pandemic has this frightening sound to it. But that goes to basically the problem with the word. I mean, we're talking about a kind of loaded term. And back in 2009, um, the World Health Organization, they called the swine flu outbreak a pandemic. But it was kind of mild and not really that bad. And then people started yelling, how could you call that a big bad pandemic when it wasn't really much? So it the WHO, the WHO did, was they got out of the whole business of pandemics. They have a, they, they think it's a loaded word. They now use um, a grading, grade, ungraded health events, a grade one emergency, grade two, more than one, and grade three. And then they have for like something that's really bad, they call it a public health emergency of international concern, P-H-E-I-C, which is a formal declaration of an extraordinary event that's a public health risk. So pandemic, the problem really here is that it doesn't have a solid definition. There's no tipping point where we can definitely call it a pandemic as opposed to an epidemic. I mean, maybe when we get to the point where everybody everywhere has it, obviously it's a pandemic, but there's no specific definition of that word. Well, the idea really is, though, it's a it's a, affecting a lot of people in many places to which there's very little, which people have no immunity to. So therefore, it definitely affects people. But that, again, it's sort of fuzzy. Kath, what do you think on that? Yes. <laughs> no, because I was going to say epidemic is, is, I go back to the notion of centralized from what I understand, how I understand or how it's usually used. No, is there no technical step forward? But an epidemic is more is more focused and a pandemic is, is wider. And virulence is not part of it technically. Like what you were saying, like when they said that you said the thing about the swine flu, it's it's more the amount of it's more uh, geographical as opposed to like more people dying. But I think you hear pandemic and you think people dropping in the street, whereas epidemic, you don't think so. But technically, an epidemic could be more deadly per if, if you did it by like the amount of infected. Right. Yes. So Definitely something like be. something like Ebola, which would have been an epidemic. Well, Ebola would have been. But uh, Ebola would be. I think a hyper epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> it is tough, but but you're 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 right, Ross. That the World Health Organization right now is not calling it a pandemic as of this recording. Now, by the time this episode comes out, who knows what will have changed? I mean, things are changing by the hour. But you're right that WHO is not calling it a pandemic, even though I mean, CNN has decided to start calling it a pandemic. Um, but but the World Health Organization, as you said, is doing it so that is not calling it that. So so that people don't get even more uh, fearful about what's going on. Precisely. The CDC, though, does call things pandemics, do they not? The yes, The CDC do. does. The CDC rates, and the CDC, I think, kind of well done. They rate pandemics by a class system like hurricanes. And in this way, they rate the it by categories. virulence, which I think is sort of helpful. That to me makes more sense because it's nice and it's like then you can say, like I was saying, it's a pandemic, but it's like nothing to worry about because the fatality rate is low. Right. As opposed to like a like a category five pandemic, right. which would be 
Hurricane Katrina or something. Right. Yeah, the Category 1 has a fatality rate of 0.1%. Uh, category 5 has a rate of over 2%. However, I mean, the one interesting thing is we're getting to pandemic, the pandemic state here in terms of uh, Corona. I think it has a rate over 2% currently. But, I mean, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I'm going to throw one thing out. Actually, when Fletcher said about uh, Ebola, I, I said maybe a hyperepidemic. There is a word, hyperendemic which refers, endemic basically means it's a constant presence. En comes from the Greek in, demos is people, so it's in the people. Endemic, therefore, means there's a constant presence of something. I mean, it could be something as much as... Uh, so it could be a hyper-endemic epidemic? Well, they said HIV is, hy is hyper-endemic in parts of Africa. So I guess it would be a hyper-endemic epidemic. I'm not sure they would use that, but technically <laughs> I they like could. I like that. It's, 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 I mean, it's not a good thing, but I like the sound. No. That makes sense, though, right? The the epidemic maybe would be something that, that pops up and, for the most part, it fades. But HIV, obviously, is something that is always there in the population at, at a certain level. And so, and so disting distinguishing between that and an epidemic might be valuable. Well, yeah, exactly. Epidemic refers to a sudden increase in the number of cases. I mean, that's like a, I mean, I'm going to go through a bunch of words now. We have a sporadic. That's when like, for example, a bunch of people get E. coli and then they get ill. Then we have something called a cluster. That's like when there's a cluster of cases around some place or something, a bunch of people living near a chemical plant all suddenly get a weird disease then we of course have endemic which is the normal presence that in a population like i mean uh i don't know malaria is endemic in africa it's there it used to be endemic in greece and then they drained the swamps with little water they have left epidemic is a sudden increase in the number of cases and guess there's another word that's an english word outbreak which is the same sort of thing and again, it's a limited geographical area. Pandemic is spread over several countries or continents. But again, given all these definitions, I think, not being a scientist, I would guess that they would call uh, corona a pandemic now. Regardless of severity, I would call it a pandemic. What interests me, though, is pandemic is only applied to disease or biological event, I should say. Whereas epidemic, you use more colloquially. You can say there's an epidemic of, of um, I don't know, Laughter. Well, you no, know, laughter doesn't quite work, but you know what I mean. You know, an epidemic of, of of attention to something. Like an epidemic of gun violence. Yes. Right. Precisely. Thank you. I couldn't think of an example right then. But you're right about pandemic. You don't hear that unless you're talking about a disease. So, yeah, specifically. But the key to me is it's just like a three-step thing. You've got outbreak. Then you've got epidemic, which is something spreading rapidly. Then you've got pandemic, where it's spreading all over the joint. Although outbreak can really be the same as epidemic too i mean th that's the i think that's again we're I going back no. to <laughs> but we're going back to the reason why who basically decided to change all of these words and do like you know grading or classifications and all of that it's a lot easier to have a scientific term that doesn't get mixed in with other terms so i think it's a good idea that they did this certainly for classification purposes and and for people who have to uh, figure out how to keep us safe or or how to um, deal with what we've already got, those terms I, I think are very useful. For those of us maybe who aren't in that world all of the time, 
it might be a little harder to keep track of the distinctions between each of those terms. But I think we can have a basic idea, you know, epidemic slash outbreak versus pandemic versus uh, cluster. Yeah, no, that's all we really need to know, I think, on this, actually. Now, I'm gonna, Kathy, Kathy and I discovered something very interesting that neither of us knew until today. Do you know the origins of the speaking of a pandemic, sometimes occasionally flu is a pandemic. Do you know the origin of the word influenza or flu? I have to say no because I can't answer that, but I have I, I have read that somewhere. Um, it's fascinating. It it actually comes from the Latin influentia. Was that how it pronounced, Ross? Which meant to flow into, and they thought it was a fluid given off by stars that affected humans. So the word influenza went to the Italian influenza, I assume, that referred to any disease outbreak that was influenced by the stars. Oh wow. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's it's like bad that you got influenza, but <laughs> it's cool that it was star-based. And the word literally in Italian means influence, which, I mean, influence, when you think about it, it's influo, inflowing in, but influence is the word, which I right. never, I mean, influenza to me has like an evil sound to it, but influence obviously doesn't. Which Does I not. Was really yeah. interesting. And it became, I and mean, we, we learned it in English because um, it was... Uh, epidemic of Qatar, influenza di Qataro in 1743, and it spread across Europe. And in English, it was just influenza. You cut out the di Qataro, and there you have it. I was fascinated by virus, though, which I'd never thought of either. Yeah, that one I knew from the Latin because it means poison. And I, I mean, so I figured, and then I mean, it can also mean seminal fluid and semen as well. But that one. <laughs> that was the one that just got me. <laughs> But virus has an evil sound, and uh, you know I knew it as a poison anyway, so I guess it sort of makes sense. It could also be sap. But the other one that we got is, do, do you know, uh, Ross found this the other day, told it to me, which I was, do you know where the the name COVID-19 came from? The no, no, I, I've, re I've really wondered that. I assumed it was just some scientific thing. It's, it's much more banal than you'd think. Ross, you can talk, because <laughs> you found it. It's a combination of CO for Corona, VI uh, comes from virus, <laughs> D is disease, and 19 <laughs> is 2019 when they discovered it. <gasps> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> so there, there were no COVIDs 1 through 18. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that one was really odd because I, when I first heard it, it sounds super scientific, you know. COVID it does, doesn't it? Virus or whatever. I know, with like yeah, you said, it sounds 19 like a science fiction to me. Like, you know, Captain, we've isolated the COVID-19, you know? <laughs> it does. So that was really interesting. I'm looking at the World Health Organization, actually. There's two things, and I've actually seen both of them referred to, and I did not know the difference. COVID-19 is the coronavirus disease. The virus itself is severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2, or SARS-CoV-2. Ah, SARS, which is something we may all remember. That Correct. is interesting. Okay, the name was chosen, the SARS-CoV-2, because the virus is genetically related to the coronavirus that was responsible for the SARS outbreak. So wow. they are related. They're related but different, <laughs> which is, I assume, where the two came in. I did not know that. That's very interesting, Kath. Oh, actually, I'm going to throw one out, too, for you guys. Do you know where Corona comes from? No, I, I, act, I actually don't. Okay, Corona means crown in Latin. Right, that I knew. Which kind of the virus apparently is shaped sort of like, it looks sort of like a crown with little sticky things coming out of it. Actually, Corona actually itself really comes from the Greek corone, which is uh, garland or wreath. 
a sort of yeah. an aura around, um, and it becomes obviously we have a corona with the sun, the aura of plasma. But it looks sort of like a crown, they thought. Because the picture does have the points, yeah. Yeah, it looks sort of like a pointy, I mean, it looks sort of like a crown, I guess. Kind of a four-dimensional, three-dimensional crown. Neck, but, I mean, overly, it's round crowns, you have to have cut half of it off. But, but it does come from the crown. Although, Fletcher, I have to say, I want to throw one thing out. I know almost no German. Kathy came, I mean, literally, like I know Fumpf is five, Fuhrer is leader, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, whatever. Kathy goes, uh, the other day, Kathy said, Russ, do you know a word, Hamstern, Kaufen, something like that pronounced? And I said, yeah. And it was the one German word I knew. Kath, tell Fletcher what it is. I brought it to Ross much like a cat bringing a mouse. (laughs) Going like, ooh, look what I found. Purely by, I I happen to have been reading a lot of books on um, World War II and the uh, domestic German, you know, how Germans coped during World War II. And this word cropped up in several books, including a picture of a woman sort of looking like a hamster. So I instantly knew the word. Okay, it's hamster Kaufe, K-A-U-F-E, Kaufe, Hamster Kaufe. It's and it's shopping hysteria. It's happening with the coronavirus. It's like people are. It, it, it's it cropped up mainly in German articles, of course. But it's like it's like people are like tossing stuff into their carts, like they're nervous hamsters filling their cheeks with food pellets. You know. Wow. And that's it's called it's frenzy. It's shopping frenzy and hoarding. And we're doing that now, Hamsterkauf. And that's what Germans were doing after the bombing had so, you know, destroyed their supply chains, etc. They were Hamsterkaufen yeah. and there were big posters, don't be a Hamsterkaufen, with women looking like hamsters grabbing food, etc. But I have to say, it was one of those wonderful serendipitous moments when Kathy presents this obscure German word. And I said, oh, yeah, it means hoarding. <laughs> and you, and you, it, was, it, was so, it didn't even sound like you were being a star. You were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. like, so now I, it's like one of the four German words I knew. So it was funny. Well, we can move on to the next one. You mentioned how influenza and virus uh, or evil sounding words. Uh, another word that people try very hard to make evil sounding uh, that we hear so often uh, is socialism. And this is a word that uh, has been used in political campaigns going back many, many decades. It seems like every single time we have an election, it gets brought up uh, that someone somewhere is a socialist. And This is one of those words that at this point almost doesn't even really have a definition, at least as far as usage goes. And this is also a word where Kathy and I have been having an ongoing argument. Okay, I think the word technically does refer and should refer to a economic system advocating collective or government ownership of production and distribution of goods. It's gotten whittled down over the centuries to mean some degree of advocating some tendency towards some government involvement in production, etc., which I think so weakens the word it virtually has no real meaning. But I think it I think when people are accusing candidates of being socialist, they're really referring more to that government control over item or over production, etc. I mean, obviously, everyone pretty much agrees that the military or police should be controlled by government. So are they all socialists? Obviously not in that sense. 
So I, I think the words really, like Fletcher, you just said, I think the words lost a lot of its meaning. Now, Kathy, you can weigh in against me. Well, I well not exactly, because actually what you're saying, I totally agree with. I was disagreeing with, I'm saying that how socialism is used now seems to focus on the whole Marxist concept of socialism, which is a step on the way from, from capitalism to communism. I mean, Marxist socialism is a very different animal in that sense, because it's, it's merely a transitory movement. Um, what I argue, though, is you had said a few times that people like Bernie Sanders aren't really a socialist, et cetera, et cetera. Right, Ross? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think, I don't think he is social, at all. You're saying that social democracy isn't really socialism or democratic socialism. I, I don't, I mean... Or, or are you? I'm, I'm trying to ascertain your thought. Now we're going to get into an entire mess of, of tangle of etymology. I think that socialism is, is, what Kathy says is true. I think socialism is now being used to define basically government control over over production, et cetera. And I don't think that people refer to it as, people should refer to I'm it I'm saying what it's used as a pejorative it is. Yeah, as a pejorative. I don't think so. But I also think that mm -hmm. basically almost everyone agrees on, on socialism in government. So I think it's not a very useful word is what I'm saying. That I agree with. Because I was going to say what the thing is, it's gotten so politicized. To me, the one of the oldest definitions of socialism um, was when it was based on the social contract. It's the philosophical use of socialism, which is the one I agree with, which is, I'm going to use the OED, which was a tacit and implicit agreement between members of society to co cooperate for social benefits, usually by sacrificing some individual freedom in return for state protection. That's the definition back in the day of a social contract. And I would argue that what we call socialism in terms of like socialists like roads or the post office or or whatever is a form of that social contract uh -huh. i see what you're saying and their social democracy political using the webster definition it can be either a movement going towards uh from capitalism to socialism which is the well, that's more the marxist, marxist sense, definition or it's a democratic welfare state that incorporates both capitalist and socialist practices. So then we're talking about a matter of degree, which I think is ridiculously unuseful in terms of castigating certain candidates for various uh, beliefs. Well, I totally agree with you. Oh, well, then we're for we're in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. Comrade. <laughs> oh, there, goes, there goes the fun no, argument. No, because my argument is that socialism is used to mean communist, which is a different animal. Yeah, and then in, 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 in the Sanders case, when people were, you know, talking about his being a socialist, let's look at the second definition of social democracy in Merriam-Webster, a democratic welfare state that incorporates both capitalist and socialist practices. Now, uh, Biden is advocating uh, Medicare for those who need it, which would actually have some elements of socialism. He certainly advocates um, a military being controlled by the government, et cetera, et cetera. So I would argue that we're really talking, and then on Bloomberg the same way when he was talking about um, Sanders. So I would argue we're talking about degrees of being a social Democrat rather than a socialist, quasi-socialist. Of course. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Why did I disagree with you the other day? You phrased it badly. <laughs> that must now be it. it makes, now you're right. That must be it. <laughs> and I think for the next word that we had an article just recently, and we had um, Sanders being accused of being a fascist, Biden accused of being a fascist, Trump accused of being a fascist. And the Hallmark Christmas Channel being accused of being a fascist <laughs> TV station. Wow. So we think that fascist is very dangerous even... movies. Yeah. <laughs> we think fascist is even less of a valuable word to have in the English language.
and Kathy can explain why. Or Fletcher, you can explain well, why. Let I'm Fletcher sure you make know his too. Point. No, I'm I'm not going to explain why, but I I am going to I I am curious of what your argument will be for that because I don't actually think socialists in in our current climate has basically any meaning whatsoever. So I'm I'm curious how fascist uh, will will meet that level of meaninglessness. I actually think that in certain cases, fascism, I think that fascist is thrown around just to basically be anyone you don't agree with, if you will. I mean, it's sort of like bad, bad man, bad man. He's a fascist, bad movie. I still don't understand the Hallmark Christmas movies being fascist, but we'll we'll let Ross like pontificate about that because I watch them. I've got to admit. I do, too. That's I don't think said, they're fascist um, at all. I like them. Yeah, no, I Around love Christmas, them. I like them. <laughs> but I mean, I know they're bad, but don't get me that they're not fascistic. Um, fascist, though, I mean, is 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 really at its basic idea is in unity there's strength, and it's unity that is defined by a totalitarian leader. He calls all the shots, or she, I mean, for that matter, but it's typically a male recently, and it, it all was started, we know, by Mussolini. And the term, which I really loved, came from the Roman term fascist, a bundle of rods, wooden rods that were tied usually around an axe which was supposed to symbolize united par, uh, power of the magistrates, the Roman magistrates. The, the, the mass of sticks was, was more stronger than one. All well and good. And it became a whole thing where uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a right, usually a right-wing conservative movement, and it's a desire for order. You'll do anything to impose that order. It's like the means don't really matter as long as like the guy in charge gets what he wants. So there's no question fascism is a bad thing it's you can't you can't argue that it's it's a it's a nice way of governance i mean like you, you can go back and forth on socialism i think fascism on the whole we can agree is is the imposition of power it's the will to power etc right i don't think we can debate that but i think the problem with it is i mean there was a there were several interesting articles on um political scholars discussing is trump a fascist or not the interesting thing about the article, incidentally, all of them thought he wasn't. I mean, this is a matter of opinion there, too. But the interesting thing was that none of them could agree on a precise definition of the term or even it, it sort of reminded me of pornography. You kind of know it when you see it, but it's difficult to really pronounce as a distinct, a distinct system. And I think that's where it becomes a little bit. I mean, people are, are yelling that you should never use the word Nazi to describe someone because Nazism was so horrible. But I think fascism is, is a little bit amorphous, even though it does symbolize that that um, totalitarian will to power, et cetera. So you think it's like so vague it doesn't really have any 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 place in political discourse? It doesn't right? seem is to work too well. Yeah. Another interesting little factoid, though, is that the fascists are um, this bundle of sticks are in the Congress, and they're on both sides on uh, the Lincoln Memorial. Lincoln is flanked by two fascists as a symbol of, of authority and strength of the government. <laughs> and one other little interesting minor Latin fact, which I'm going to bore you all with, is that Axe used to be, is in Rome, that Axe would be taken out and the fascists would be paraded throughout Rome without the stick, without the Axe, to symbolize the fact that in unity there is strength but the axe symbolized who you know the the leader can kill people. The axe was taken out because only the people could rule could kill people. So the U.S. fascists on the side of uh, Lincoln's memorial do not have the axe in it. That's really interesting. I just want to say the interesting thing, just from an etymology, you you could you did the uh, Latin aspect. Etymologically, you could argue that 
fascism and socialism are very related because they both um, are based on a collective. But they're, I mean, they're, they're certainly not the same thing, but they do. You've got like the bundle of sticks and you have a collective of people. Yeah, social. Yeah, social. That's right. Yeah. That's also very interesting. But I think we're both, Kathy and I both agree that it just doesn't really seem too useful as a, as a definition for uh, a political movement. I think you could say someone is becoming more authoritarian or tendency tending towards. Uh, also, I mean, also I want to add one little corrective here. Mussolini popularized the term. It actually came a little bit before him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just, yeah. yeah. I'm saying he's usually credited. And the other interesting little fact, of course, we all know is that uh, Churchill um, praised Mussolini's fascism. He said it rendered a service to the whole world back in the, uh, I think, late 20s, early 30s. He changed his mind a short while after. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, I'm sure. Yeah. Very, and broadcasted as such, too. Yes. <laughs> but they were seen as bulwarks against uh, communism, which at the time was seemed worse than fascism. I was fascinated with, just speaking about all these terms, one that we don't usually think of as a pejorative as much, but I started getting interested in the word progressive because that's tossed around. I mean, you have progressives in the Democratic Party. Now, everyone's everyone's simultaneously, it seems, of late, a centrist and a progressive, depending on to whom they're speaking. And I got interested in progressive, and I didn't know that it became, um, a lot of people got worried about the term liberal, which is when they started switching over to progressive more. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, yeah, yeah, which I, I didn't really think that. Suddenly I thought, you know, yeah, it's true. Yeah, li- liberal certainly uh, became became pejorative. Uh, I don't know exactly when it happened, but it certainly seemed to gain a lot of prominence, let's say in the 90s when Rush Limbaugh really uh, became popular. Uh, and uh, certainly, you know, used liberal over and over and over as a pejorative term. And that really did stick. And people did switch over to progressive. Although I think it also came into being because liberals a la um, uh, Blair or neoliberals, which were, was began to become identified with a more conservative movement within uh, liberal Democratic or uh, Labor Party. So I think liberal also became pejorative to the sense of people who were on the left of these parties. That that happened later, I think. Oh, I think uh, that's what I was right. gonna say. Yeah, that that sort of that was that was once people had started to switch over to progressive, and then those weird nuances started to shake out between the people who were were center left and the people who were farther left, and they wanted to distinguish themselves from liberals as liberals were trying to take the term back, and you know it's it's all become a big mess. It is. Well, it's it's what you were saying before. The terms I think have gotten so mushy now. And, I, and and it's like everybody identifies as every everything or not or is attacked as being one or the other or all of the above. Like we go back to Bernie Sanders being called both a communist and a fascist, which is, an, you know, and a socialist. And you start saying, what does any of this mean? Well, can we talk about progressive for a minute? That, that term goes back a, a long ways. I bet Kansas, uh, which is now known as a, as a conservative state. Uh, had for many, many, many years uh, been uh, sort of prided itself on being a progressive state. And in some ways, we'll still call back to that that progressive history that we have. Yeah, the progressive party. I'm going to go back to Latin for one second, then let Kath take over the American part. It comes from the Latin progredior, which means to move forward. Kathy, take it away. We forget, historically, we had progressive parties. 
um, back in 1912, it was an offshoot of the Republican Party um, supporting uh, Teddy Roosevelt. That was the Progressive Party. I, I mean, we go back then to the initial Republican Party stuff, too. And then there was another Progressive Party in um, the 40s. That, also the, 20, uh, uh, supported, also the um, fighting Bob LaFollette in the 20s. Oh, yeah, you're right. The 24, and then you had the one in the 40s. Yeah. So, I mean, we've had Progressive Parties. Um, not not only as a branch of the Democrats now. Have there ever been, curiously, though, I know that I said the Progressive uh, Party was an offshoot of the Republican Party, the first one with Teddy Roosevelt. But now currently we have Progressive Democrats. Is there any subgroup of Republicans that identify as progressives? I can't think of any. Can you? No, I can think of in Canada, the equivalent of the Republican Party, the Progressive Conservatives in Canada. But we don't have that in the States. No, I can only think of the um, Canadian Conservatives. I can't think of any... American because the whole point I mean technically the whole the whole notion of progressivism is you're advocating or working towards I'm quoting the OED working towards change or reform in society committed to progress which is which is very banal actually I mean it's right there in the word and it makes sense why liberals would have changed over to that word as the word liberal became pejorative and then sort of lost meaning I I mean just looking at the word liberal it you know I guess you could say it sort of means free or something but but it doesn't it doesn't have that word in it whereas progressive has that word progress in it it makes yeah. it makes sense why a group would choose that term it's it's got much more punch it's it's it does it sounds better it really to me i mean it's it's that way doesn't it well and it sounds yeah. it doesn't sound objectionable progress right although liberal technically i mean there's only political liberty i mean at, at, at its at its bottom right from the french right yeah yeah from the latin originally free liber. well yeah it's always from the latin <laughs> everything <laughs> is i'm gonna throw something out I just looked up ballot ballotopedia or ballotpedia there is a progressive republican party it says but as of September 2019, it was not a ballot qualified party. So we're talking about a real outlier. I mean, it doesn't even, yeah. it doesn't really register on the political radar at all. But they're technically, if we're going to be very technical, we could argue it. That's interesting because I didn't, I've never heard of it, which is, yeah, it must be an outlier. Going back to the liberal thing, though, this is something Ross knew and I did not. The right, and I, this, I just thought of it because of the French. I didn't realize that right wing and left wing came from the French. I had no idea. I never thought about where those terms came from. I've always kind of been curious, uh, and I didn't know. Tell us about that. Um, Ross knew this, which really killed me, because I was like, look, that's what I found out. And he said, oh, yeah. Um, it came with the seating positions in the French National Assembly. Those that sat on the left tended to be more liberal or progressive. Those that sat on the right were the conservatives. It's, so it's all a, it was all a happenstance of how where people sat. Which makes sense. Left wing, right wing. I mean, yeah. Well, that's why we call it that now. But there was no, you know, it didn't it wasn't like everybody that sat on the left said we're sitting on the left because we're radicals. No, but they want to sit with their friends and the friend of the, whoever was. Sitting right. there, you gotta, I'm sitting with my friends. I don't want to sit with the guy who's going to punch me out. So you sit with your group. <laughs> and, yeah. From there it took off. I was just impressed, Russ, that you knew that the left and the right thing where they sat. I had no idea. I took history so i wouldn't be that impressed i was like you know i took french, <laughs> the french revolution i was a literature major yeah, right, no. <laughs> i had a course on the french Should revolution and they Chaucer? had the guys sitting on the left and the right so i wouldn't be impressed at all
This episode of You're Saying It Wrong. Oh, this is Fletcher, back in my closet at home again. This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens, in the studios of KMUW and in my closet in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that. And now, Kathy and Ross Petrus's newest book, Awkwards, at your local independent bookstore. Kathy and Ross have written a lot more, and they're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, knrpetrus.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. Please wash your hands, be smart, stay safe, and we'll be back in two weeks. And now the cat wants to know why I'm in the closet.